redemption at Emmanuel. If Paul um, preaches in focus for us, I think Paul got a shock. Uh, as we'll see a little later on. Uh, I think there are very few of us find what we're talking about now in the one step when we first enter into a relationship with Christ. It's usually, usually the second step which is involved here. I think it was his Paul. Because if I read it right, Paul made the second great discovery when he went to Arabia. Because he speaks a great deal about the second discovery in the Galatian letter. He uh, opens it up in his fullness in the Roman letter, but he applies it in the Galatian letter. And in the Galatian letter he says he went on his journey into Arabia. He went to Mount Sinai. The stuff he got was he didn't find Mount Sinai there, he found Mount Zion there. It's much more convenient. Because he speaks to both of them. Mount, si Mount Sinai is law, Mount, si Mount Zion is grace. And he, he saw right into the... Thank God for them who were called See, right through it. And he saw right through the implications of uh, Christ crucified and Christ risen. And he saw here the, the implications as us. Now in one sense we had nothing to do with it. In one sense we all of us come to the foot of the cross uh, and see this person who took our place and went through a certain process of uh, bearing our sins in his own body on the tree and being made a curse for us. Having the judgment of God upon, it, upon, him, upon us for our sins in our place and removed in his death and, and, and verified by his resurrection. And we don't touch them. We just come there and, and uh, uh, all of, all of uh, the uh, conditions as the sinners have disappeared. And we are in God's sight, it never was there. Never was there. But that comes to the foot of the cross. But we've got to go beyond the foot of the cross. We've got to get on the cross. Now, Christ for us, you don't touch. That's the blood of Christ. Christ as us is we. That's why that second statement in the, in about the Holy Spirit says, we're, here, we're one bread, one body, because the body is part of you. And this says we regard ourselves as, like, like when Christ's on the, on, on the cross, we're there, we're like a body is part of you. One bread, one body. Now, what is Paul saying about, uh, uh, in that text? He says, get this clear. If this person was humanity, humanity was there. Now, you don't only come through the cross and say, he died for me. You say, no, if he was humanity, I was there, therefore, if he died, I died. And if he was buried, I was buried. And if he rose, I rose. And if he ascended, I ascended. We're getting a little closer in now. But this is the logic that keen mind could see. God uses all, all sorts. It's interesting to get out his great, uh, apply his great revelations in the two dispensations. He used two trained minds. Moses in the old, uh, old dispensation and Paul in the new. So God uses the fool and the wise, and he only gets much real wise. No, I won't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I didn't mean to be rude. I only meant I want to, I want to protect the wise, not run down too much. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll make peace with you. I'll make peace with you afterwards. <laughs> Thank you. I, I like. I actually. Sorry. Um. But, um, so uh, I'm saying Paul could see the, 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 the total structure. And he said this, now watch that, he says. Therefore, if this person was we, it was we. Now what does that mean, therefore, it was we? What are we? We're people with a sin spirit inside us. Actually, as I said before, you will never get the Bible right where it remains letters and words to you, or things. You only get the Bible right where it dissolves and becomes a person. And so even sin, it took me as a great revelation I said this about sin's a spirit. 
Sin is the character of the sin person. A sin, mind you, is just a predecessiveness. You know that. It's just forms of self self egocentricity, is all. This satanic person. So sin really means it's the character of the satanic person. So sin the spirit really, same as same as using the by word holiness. He's a holy spirit. He's the, the spirit of love, the spirit of, of, of the products of self giving love, of the fruits of the spirit and so on. You see, he's the holiness in us. See what I mean? Jesus Christ has made us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and, and, and redemption. The world is ours. These tough, dry words. While the Bible remains dry to you, you can be sure it hasn't broken up to you yet. Uh, it lives with, oh, oh, there he is, there he is. But through the words you find a person. Words I think through their spirit, their life. The letter kills the spirit, gives life. And so I'm only saying this now. Um, I'm saying this for, for a reason. Therefore, John's saying, look at this. Yeah, Paul is saying, look at this. Uh, this was a whole humanity hanging there. Uh, and humanity is a, a human race which has got the wrong God inside it. It's got the, 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 the spirit, who is the sin spirit, which is the spirit of selfishness inside it. Therefore, Paul made the remark. He said, uh, he said, God made him to be seen for us. That's a change of He always talks about bearing our sins. Now, sins are products. Sins are things which, which, which have the wrath of God upon them and separate us from God, the judgment and the consequences and all that. That was his blood, that was where he died in our place and took, us up, took the curse upon himself. That's the other one. That's Christ dying for us. He was talking about sins here. Talking about sin. sin is the pr- sin principle, sin spirit, sin person. Now, he suddenly says in 2 Corinthians 5, 24, somewhere by the day, he was made sin for us. Why? He says, look, Paul says, look, if he was humanity, he was a whole race which was, ha- was being motivated by wrong God. And being motivated by wrong God was producing all the natural products of self- self-love, self-seeking, self-magnification, naturally egocentric. Here he was, he said. Now, uh, but, uh, here he is in God's sight, this was the humanity, in this person, hanging on Calvary. And therefore, he, in, in God's sight, as it were, he was, he was a humanity with this wrong spirit. Then he said he died. Now, it's very clear in the Bible, he really died. That was the evidence of the, of the, of the soldiers. They, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't break his legs, because he died, so they to pierce his body. And out came the blood and water, which is the evidence of death. And, uh, and a dead body was taken out. Why such importance? Because a, dead, a, a death is separation between body and spirit. That's why. That's what death is. And therefore, he said, just look here. If this person represented humanity up there with sin spirit, uh, uh, when he died, that separation, that humanity was separated from sin spirit. Exactly. Exactly. This was what human, separated the whole humanity from the, 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 the inner indwelling of the soul and outworking of this wrong spirit of self-sense, which entered through the wrong tree all those years ago. This was the, the, the negative liberation. If we question about that, we'll go a little farther, a little later, and see how it works out. Uh, it's work when you see its effects. Um, the scientific hypothesis is proved by its effects, isn't it? Whether it works or not, we'll see. Um, now, you get, but Paul says to us, here's a dead body. It was we. This was humanity. This was humanity lying in a tomb, buried with him. Buried with him is a scriptural expression. They were, in that too, a dead body. Now Paul says, what can raise a dead body? Well, obviously only a spirit. A new spirit, here. And therefore it says, put, Jesus Christ was put to death in the flesh, quickened by the spirit. Quickened, like the birth, new birth in the womb, the new life in the womb. Quickened by the spirit. Uh, uh, here was, uh, here was his own spirit, the God, spirit of self-giving love, uh, coming into this, this body which was we. This is the new unity. Now this is the, the completed foundation for uh, a, a, a permanent, perfect, 
uh, indissoluble new unity taking place between uh, God and the human spirit, the redeemed human spirit, in the place of the old one, uh, uh, the old one which went out at, at, in the death. And the new one came in the resurrection. There's our foundation. That's how we can, uh, positively, daringly, funnily, enjoyably, uh, be in this relationship. It isn't something we vaguely got and hope itself. It's given us a, given a great historical foundation. It should have a historical foundation if, if sin's in history, redemption has been history, certainly. That doesn't mean we live by historical Jesus, no. Paul's pretty bold. The Paul went on to say, yea, if I knew him after the flesh yet, now I know, I know him no more. I'm not joined now to a Jesus in, in, in the human flesh. I'm joined now to Jesus who is spirit, and yet that spirit has a body. There's a resurrection body. That, that's the, the basis for us having a resurrection body one day. So we ought to argue that just now. Um, so there we are. So now we're saying this. Uh, I've taken this time to um, uh, remind you of this uh, total, square, historical foundation for us who are sinners in history. By which God uh, provided in, 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 in the person of his son, which was himself, this, this complete redemption. Which is um, uh, a, 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 a unit, I mustn't say reunification, but there was a unification of God and man. Now we have to ask this question. Um, I'll get time. Uh, difficult in a way, of that aspect, not so much for a company like you, but for many, is that's the more historic type of thing. They say, oh, well, I don't know, that sort of thing happened 2,000 years ago, what's matter to me anyhow? It wouldn't affect you so much, but that, that's sort of, uh, we pass through a phase now, which we, we look back on something which happened. Now, what really matters, of course, is how does a, a general fact become a personal experience? How does a general fact of life become a personal experience? Because what matters to us is the personal experience. There is a, 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 a perfectly simple law, Glenn has been emphasizing simplicities to us, a perfectly simple law uh, in the working of the whole of the, of the universe, I suppose, at least of this world, because there, as, as we had perfectly figured out, there, there, there's no spiritual sector, there's only one, everything is a form of God, isn't it? It's God in certain forms, only one, everything is a form of spirit. So there's one law functioning through everything. The same law functions in what we call secular as functions in what we call spiritual, same thing. And that's what the Bible calls the law of faith. Now faith has become rather a kind of commonplace word, or rather a word almost like a cliché, and um, may not always convey to us what it means. Perhaps it put in simple human terms, it's the law of supply and demand. So that brings down what we It's the law of supply and demand. What's the, what do I mean by law of supply and demand? I mean this. The whole world is full of supplies. Again, I think I've touched on one of the previous talks. Full of supplies. Now, in a general sense, we have faith in those supplies. We believe air is air, and water is water, and the roof is the roof, and everything else. And in a general sense, it's convenient to have a general faith. It doesn't affect us too closely. We just have, we live by general acceptance of faith in all sorts of things. Um, in that sense, we, 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 uh, we recognize the supply. But a supply doesn't become a personal experience, except by a demand. When I have a personal demand, I'm conditioned then to appropriate my portion of supply that's available to me. And then something happens. And that's how we live. Uh, the, uh, there's a general supply of food in this well-blessed country. 
uh, our strongest signal for demand. And so, with the supply and the demand, it's perfectly simple, simple for us to appropriate the supply of the food. But watch, it isn't you who appropriate the food, the food appropriates you. You find out out of death after you've eat, eaten. Whether pleasant or unpleasant. Uh, now, here is the law of supply and demand is what takes you, what you take takes you. This is how you experience it. There are, we'll say, 300 chairs in this room. That's a general supply. Well, in a general way, yes, we all accept a general supply, it's a fact. Now, the demand is you need one chair. Now, here's your freedom. There's a supply, you've got a demand, because it's available to you, you exercise your freedom, this is freedom, and you seat yourself in the chair. You're not holding that chair up, it's holding you up. Turn around. What you take takes you. This is the law of faith. The, the takers took. The grabbers grabbed. This is the law of faith. This is the law of experience. And all through life. Uh, you come here by faith. That's to say, that you're told there's a supply of a conference here. A camp. There's a supply. Well, for some reason or other, you have a demand. You say, I'd like to come. Uh, all right then, you, your faith is, your freedom is, you book and you come. Here you are. Now the tookers took, because you've got to sit and take what you get. You can't escape. <laughs> See, you're done for. Now all life is like that. People feel try to mistake that. Faith isn't getting, faith is being got. And this is the beauty of life. Life consists of experiences which have got you. Every one of us here has got a trade. Maybe you're a housewife, maybe you're a musician, maybe you're a lawyer, a doctor, a carpenter, whatever it is. You've been taken over by your trade. You, you strive by taking it over. You started by learning and prejudicing yourself to this and this and this. At time, same time, it became part of you. It caught you. And you're just a natural carpenter, or a natural doctor, or a natural housewife, a natural so This is the beauty of life. And you move with a beautiful spontaneity when you've been captured by what you, what, what you, you first captured. This is life. So, faith, what we call faith, has never become faith until you've been taken over. This is the key to the gospel. You don't take God, you're taken over by God. That's the fun. See, I move among circles, but always anxious trying to hold on to God. That's hard work. Trying to hold on to God. You're so trying to hold on to God, you hold on to nothing else besides. Uh, that gospel's not holding on to God, it's being got hold on by God, and you're done for. There you are, and you live. You dare to live free, because you're caught. This is the gospel. Now, this is faith. So, the faith put in those is the law of supply and demand. Where does the supply... Where there's a demand, it, we exercise our freedom, but usually it's fairly easy. When there's a supply and when there's a demand, and you know the two, it's fairly easy. It's saying, thank you. And you don't, you don't know you're being caught. You don't recognize that until afterwards. And that's what the gospel is. Now, the difference on what we may call the spiritual level and the material, I don't like to use those words, but for convenience sake, is this. The, 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 Lord, uh, the, 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 the demands in the, in the material level are pretty, pretty obvious, are pretty constant. There's not a demand on the spiritual level, the devil sees to that. There's not a demand on the spiritual level. The demand's going to be created. You haven't got to create a demand in your stomach for too long. You haven't got to create a demand in your lungs for too long. So put it quickly there. But God has created us a demand for, 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 for the, 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 uh, this supply we're talking about, which is uh, the, the meaning of life, the union between God and ourselves. So there has to be a, 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 a preliminary work of God by which he creates a demand. Thank God he does. Um, I needn't go, I don't want to spend too much time on that, go too far into what is obvious, but uh, it's obvious to us here. It, it, by different ways, uh, God has created that demand in us. That's the value of the gospel and preaching. 
and the Bible, and the, the, the inner law, which we touched on again this morning. Thank God, our very being is God. Because our very being is God, we know what we ought to be, thank God. There it is. And that law comes up here, you ought to be, why aren't you? Um, and so by different ways, the inner law, the outer law, the gospel, Christ Jesus and so on, the, the, the demands created. The, the moment of truth in life comes when at last we become honest to the demand, honest to the situation. Now we all start, the consequences of law on us, whether it's the outer law or the inner law, the, 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 uh, uh, the, um, uh, our reaction to the laws, to, to the law is always either hypocrisy or honesty. Hypocrisy damns, honesty is the way to salvation. We all start by hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is, I'm not going to let on, I don't do it. Uh, so we keep a few very convenient commandments. We almost carefully keep the eleventh. That's not the found out. We're sure that uh, keep them behind us. So we, we start. All of us start life by, by a mask. We try to run away from uh, the the condition. Um, the true condition of all humanity is despair. Humanity must be in despair because humanity is a combination of finite and infinite, and we can't live a finite life. Uh, which is uh, uh, a worldly life, and, and try and just keep the infinite. Down on these has despair all the time. So, uh, actually, lost humanity consists of two types. There's the type who try and run away and uh, escape from uh, facing out uh, facing out the real, real implications of life. Or there's, a, there's the type who try to drop it out and try to uh, affirm a false self, uh, independent self. You either run away from yourself and hide yourself by all sides of interests, or you try to affirm yourself. Uh, by yourself, both have a bottom of despair. Because we're not related to the infinite. And you can't escape that. Man is a combination of infinite and finite. You can't escape. So thank God for the despair. The moment of truth is when at last we face the despair. That's when we come honest. And that's when we come at last, by some means or other, say, yes, I am wrong. I have broken God's laws. I am separate from him. Uh, and so forth and so forth. Uh, that is what I sometimes call the first collapse. It's the collapse on our righteousness. And not easy because uh, the, the whole basis of the fall is self-sufficiency, uh, self-righteousness, self-justification, pride. Not easy. So the, for that breaking is not easy enough to admit I'm, I'm wrong. I'm out. My religion's a camouflage. Facts are my sins. No, no, it's not easy. And none of us have come except by that way. I'm not saying, in many cases, sudden, may not, doesn't matter, it's come that way. So there's a demand. So I'm jumping that quickly. Each of us, I trust in this room, comes that demand, somewhere or other. Now, when there's a demand, if there's a supply, it's easy to, uh, to, uh, 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 to move in in freedom and uh, uh, participate in the supply. That's the benefit of the gospel. I go to many nations where there's no gospel. There are ways, occasionally, in which people can find God out. I won't discuss that now, that's a little private heresy of my own. But um, uh, um, that, that, that is much more difficult, much more difficult. It's easy for us to thank God for Jesus Christ. It's easy for us. Uh, thank God for the gospel. Therefore, let us never run down our churches. No, no, no. Anyhow, the word of God is there to some extent. Anyhow, the scripture is being read. Something is being said. Let's thank God if anybody goes to church at all, anyhow. Because something's dropping in. Now, I'm an Episcopalian, so I belong to a true church. I'm sorry for the rest of uh, uh, Tommy and Carl, way out to Methodists, you left us all ago, way out. As for Baptists, you can't see them at all. They're, they're, un they're under the water. Um, uh, so I belonged to the And how bored stiff I was for 18 years, a vibrant young fellow. 
What's this business of Jesus Christ dying for me and saying prayers? We had to go to those, uh, we were, had those boarding schools in England. Boys, boys. I like a boys' boarding school. No girls make a nuisance there. Uh, just boys. <laughs> um, uh, and, but we had chapel every day. We had conveniently high pews and used to keep our preparation books under the pews while the, while the pastor moaned on with his prayers. But never mind. All that time, something is dropping in, something dropping in, something dropping in. Uh, the moment of truth for me was 18 years of age, and I suddenly did see, I needn't say that, I did see my condition. Uh, uh, somehow I came to see it, and because I'd been taught, I was brought up to a personal question. I was suddenly asked by a retired army major who used to, uh, used, to get our, uh, used to get after our souls. He had a nice tennis lawn. We went for tennis, he went for our souls. We tried to avoid the souls, we get the tennis. Always <laughs> oh, so successful. And he asked me, do you belong to Christ? So the unpleasant man, he said, do you belong to the church? Yes. But I just begun to, to, to doubt the person. We all ought to doubt. Thank God for good doubts. Is God real at all? What's his business? And I couldn't say I belong to a person. I could say I belong to a, a, a religion. If, if, uh, now, it's a moment to truth. That cost us something. That's only a young fellow, but I was son of a parson. So like, like, like uh, Tommy, of course, we're perfection, perhaps. Um, and, um, uh, so, uh, but it cost me something. Having been to all the forms of Christianity, I nearly lied. You can lie to hate yourself to hell. That's a problem. I nearly did. But I just got it out to say, well, I couldn't say I, couldn't say I was. I did belong to Christ. But that's something what we have shot because of the teaching. Now, he got me down on my knees, maybe mumbled something. I, I got up just as I went down. I was supposed to say a prayer of salvation or something. It worked very well. But what had got, got said had gone inside. And as I, went going, as I was going home, I said, oh, look, if I can't say I belong to Christ, I'm lost. If I can't say Christ is my Savior and I knew my sins, I'm lost. I'm going to hell. I'm out from God. That's teaching. Because I've been taught in the church without being bored stiff all the time, thinking more of football than anything else, but it was dropping in. I knew the gospel. So when I was ready for it, oh, if I can't say Christ is my Savior, I'm lost. I'm going to get on with that one. No, I, it was real this time. I really saw myself separate from God. I really saw my sins separate. I, I realized I deserved it to the heaven. Hell, not heaven. And so it was a simple way I went into my room and knelt down and uh, um, ask God to forgive my sins, and my salvation is almost like a mental uh, recognition. Oh, that's it. Now I see. That's what the blood meant. Oh, I see. And because He died for me, I don't have to go to hell. My sins are forgiven. Oh, I see. And a, a, a joy changed in my heart. There's a young fellow right team for God as my father, and heaven was my home. Well, football season was, was starting, and uh, the devil has played to say, Oh, I said, oh, that's emotion. You think football tomorrow morning? I didn't. And I've not been thinking before seven years now. Next morning I woke up. Oh, God's my father, heaven's my home. This, this is it. So, you know, so you see, where does it amount? Where does the problem? You can But this, this, I think, is the last thing I'll be able to say this morning, this afternoon. Mm. I'll say this. Uh, but this is important. What's the effect? Now, what we're saying is this. The only meaning of all this is that God, uh, who, this person who is nothing but love, which means his life is involved in others, living other people's lives, uh, and we become part of him, and so we then become eternal love, and life for us is the meaning of life for us is involved in others, the gaiety, fullness, completion of life, is uh, uh, a, a way in which we can be other people, live other people's lives, and so on. Eternal love. Now what's this? The evidence of, of redemption is exactly, the evidence of redemption is what? It's the birth of the eternal love in you. That's the evidence of redemption. What I mean is this. When you first, whatever way it was, first connected with Jesus Christ in your need, and he became a real saviour to you, um, for the first time you see something happen inside you, you I've known you have taken into you the person who is love. You didn't know that. You've taken Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is love. What effect on you? For the first time in your human history, you began to love somebody else more than yourself. That's the eternal love. 
Up to that moment, you let yourself search. You may have let a few other people's survivors convenient. But uh, at this moment, they began in you a love for somebody more than for yourself. That Jesus Christ had died for you, the God who gave you. And you began to prove it by making choices, and, uh, making decisions, and, and deciding to engage yourself for him. It began. Now, in our, in our uh, ignorance, we think that that's just, we love it. Oh, no, we can't have self-giving love. We're self-loving love. This is the birth of the eternal love. This is the birth of the person in you who is the self-giving love. Enjoy yourself to you, and you begun to be it. And the scripture which is given at that time is, is in Romans 5. That's the chapter on uh, when we receive Christ, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And it says this, listen. For the love of God, not for God, for God's love is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, who is given unto you. So, what you began to be, I said to you, that, that historic redemption meant that uh, uh, we in Christ have been a, 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 a throw out from us of that spirit of self-centered, this capturing humanity, uh, and, and a union in, in, into us of the spirit of self-giving love which is God. And so we, we become the eternal love. This is the proof. And when you do, even in those elementary form, first relate to Jesus Christ, you can't tell yourself, you begin to love the one who died for you. You begin to love the God who sent you. This is the eternal love. And you, you find yourself caught out. Because you learn that God's not vertical, he's horizontal. He doesn't come down this way, he's here. He's people. And you can't love Jesus Christ without loving the world. And you're for it. Poor you. Spend all that rest, rest of your life wriggling out of it, you can. You can't. You've, you've begun the stream. Well, the Amazon River starts with a sickle somewhere, it ends the Amazon. A prairie fire starts with a spark, ends the fire. So, well, how the biggest stream is begun in us? So, I'm going to stop there. So, I want to take that further because it hasn't actually. Um, settled us completely yet in, in, in uh, what is involved uh, um, um, in, uh, in, in, in this unity relationship. There's some more to come here. But this is the start. And uh, we'll proceed from there. Thank you.